I have a special prayer today. Um, it's a basically a collect for church musicians and artists. Let us pray. O God, whom saints and angels delight to worship in heaven, be ever present with your servants who seek through art and music to perfect the praises offered by your people on earth, and grant to them even now glimpses of your beauty, and make them worthy at length to behold it unveiled forevermore, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, thank you all for coming uh, this morning, especially if it's your first time joining us in this four-part series. Um, we're doing children's books for adults. I hope you're in the right place. If you're in the wrong place, hopefully you'll have fun. Um, it's a you know lighthearted topic, but still could be life-saving, really. I think um, there's a lot of depths to be plumbed in um, good children's books. And so we've met two times already. For those of you who've been here throughout, you know that the first one we did was uh, the Runaway Bunny, um, which some of you are probably most of you are probably familiar with. And to that end, we watched some scenes from, I didn't mention this last time, I forgot, we watched some scenes from a movie that's about 10, 12 years old called Wit. Has anybody seen that other than those who are here? Yeah, you know, do yourself, you remember that scene, right? You know, do yourself a favor and watch Wit. You know, have a box of tissues with you um, because it's a weeper. Um, But uh, it's has a scene there that kind of really shows why we're doing something like this, how really um, sort of life-giving children's books can be, even for a really erudite classics professor who's dying of cancer, which is what the the film's about. Um, And so Runaway Bonnie, I commend Wit, which stars Emma Thompson. And then last time we talked about The Pout Pout Fish, which is just a lot of fun, Uh, great title. And um, we saw a lot of sort of gospel connections, I think, last time, wouldn't you say, if, if you were here with the Pout Pout Fish. And there's, it's a kind of a series. There's, uh, there are some spinoffs, like the Pout Pout Fish Goes to School. Uh, but I really think that the original, you know, is always the best um, because it really gets to the essence of what the Pout Pout's all about and how he becomes the Kiss Kiss Fish. Um, so um, today we're going to look at a book about artists, uh, and creativity, basically. Um, but I still see uh, gospel connections, and hopefully maybe you'll see them too. Um, but we can take our time getting there, uh, which is why I read that prayer for artists and musicians um, from the prayer book. Um, and so with that in mind, who among you are artists or would call yourselves creative types? Don't be shy. I, I do. Anybody? Nobody? You're all uh, Dolesville. Okay, a couple of you. <laughs> what do you all do? By way, of, Do you mind saying? Or, yeah. Creative, writing. Creative writing, yeah. A little bit of everything. A little bit of everything. Um, yeah, what are you up to? Music, okay. Um, no other artists? You're all, you should all really be artists. I give you permission and creative types. Um, we all really need kind of some uh, form of expression Uh, in our lives, I I feel. Um, And uh, with that in mind, you know, like what comes to mind, though, when you think of artists or creative people? Like first thing, you know, Rorschach test. I say artist. What do you think? Sorry. Flighty. Flighty, eccentric, free spirit, carefree. Anything else? Often very, very smart. Uh Uh-huh. 
Yeah, bring out, um, help us to see the world in, in new ways uh, through whatever means. Yeah, that's really what great art does, doesn't it? Um, you know, if you look at a painting um, or a sculpture or hear a piece of music, it really should, you know, good art um, will uh, bring something out of us. Um, yeah, anything uh, else that comes to mind about artists or, or creative types? Like called. Called? Mm -hmm. To create. Called to create. Yeah, I mean, it's, I've always felt like it's a gift that uh, if someone is very creative, it comes from them. And yeah. It's something they need to do. Yeah. Yeah, often you, know, you might have a particular medium that you feel called to, or, or maybe uh, several. Um, some of you are probably shadow artists. You know, maybe that you're like, uh, I, you know, I could have done that, right? Um, <laughs> Jackson Paul, like, you know, snooze, you know, I could do that. <laughs> um, but he was the guy, you know. I mean, there's always the, you know, I had that idea before Jackson Pollock, but he's the one who made the big deal out of it. Or, um, <clears throat> or maybe, um, maybe when you were a child, there was something that you were really into. Do you, do you all know David Tanner? I mean, this guy in the last few years, sorry, David, if you're listening. I know you're in the other room, but I know he won't mind me saying this. If you don't know David Tanner, he's on the vestry. In the last few years, has had this massive creative um, outburst, really. I mean, he was a, a creative individual when he was younger, a painter, and he's got hundreds of these paintings that he's produced in the last several years in his home. And, uh you know, we, there might be something like that in your life, you know, that's like deep down has been <clears throat> pushed under the surface and is wanting to, to bubble up, perhaps. And that doesn't make you a flaky person. It makes you um, someone who's uh, made in the image of God, really. And uh, with that in mind, the book that we're going to read today is called Ish. Like, that's um, a, you know, it's a goodish idea <laughs> or you know fill in the blank um, and Ann Lynn why are you is going to read it for us thank you yeah yeah let everybody see you is there enough light for my bad eyes <laughs> to do it okay this is Ish by Peter Reynolds I'm do this just like I would my kids <laughs> Raymond loved to draw. Anytime, anything, anywhere. Maybe just the toilet. <laughs> My kids want to shut up. <laughs> One day, Raymond was drawing a vase of flowers. His brother, Leon, leaned over his shoulder. Leon burst out laughing. What is that? he asked. Raymond could not even answer. He just crumpled up the drawing and threw it across the room. Leon's laughter haunted Raymond. He kept trying to make his drawings look right, but they never did. After many months and many crumpled sheets of paper, Raymond put his pencil down. I'm done. Okay. 
Marisol, his sister, was watching him. What do you want, he snapped. I was watching you draw, she said. Raymond sneered. I'm not drawing. Go away. Marisol ran away, but not before picking up a crumpled sheet of paper. Hey, come back here with that. Raymond raced after Marisol, up the hall and into her room. He was about to yell, but fell silent when he saw his sister's walls. He stared at the crumpled gallery. This is one of my favorites, Marisol said, pointing. That was supposed to be a vase of flowers, Raymond said, but it doesn't look like one. Well, it looks vase-ish, she explained. Vaz-ish. Raymond looked closer. Then he studied all the drawings on Marisol's walls and began to see them in a whole new way. They do look-ish, he said. Raymond felt light and energized. Thinking ishly allowed his ideas to flow freely. He began to draw what he felt. Loose lines. Quickly springing out without worry. Raymond once again drew and drew the world around him, making an ish drawing felt wonderful. He filled his journals, tree-ish, house-ish, boat-ish, afternoon-ish, fish-ish, sun-ish. Raymond realized he could draw ish feelings too. Peace-ish, silly-ish, excited-ish, his ish art inspired ish writing. He wasn't sure if he was writing poems, but he knew they were poem-ish. For example, ponder, pond, ponder, dream yonder, pond, pond, yond, yon, clean, wander. By Raymond. One spring morning, Raymond had a wonderful feeling. It was a feeling that even ish words and ish songs could not capture. He decided not to capture it. Instead, he simply savored it. And Raymond lived fully ever after. <laughs> <laughs> um, the end yes. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> um, well, uh, just to recap. Um, because I'll make, make sure you get the story. Um, <laughs> sometimes, you know, it does take reading it a couple of times. I won't reread it, but, um, you know, uh, there's this boy, Raymond, um, who is a, a young boy who loves to draw, as many kids do. And um, his older brother, Leon, squashes his um, artistic ambitions. And as a result, what happens is um, uh, the voice of accusation from Leon haunts uh, Raymond, and nothing looks right. So he crumples every single thing up until he's uh, he, he throws in the towel, he throws in the pen, and um, and stops drawing. And then uh, Marisol, his younger sister, you notice the how he becomes kind of like Leon was with him. That often happens. The the abused becomes the abuser. 
um, and so Raymond sneers at her and tells her to go away, and she takes a crumpled drawing, and this is really the kicker, if you didn't see this uh, two-page spread when he enters her room, and it's a gallery of his own crumpled artwork. Um, and she becomes the, uh, the voice of um, freedom uh, by saying, yeah, it's not, it doesn't look exactly like a vase, or as Ellen says, a vase. Um, it's it's vase-ish, um, and that's okay. Giving him permission not to be completely accurate in his drawings, and this becomes a new source of creativity and uh, producing all kinds of tree-ish, house-ish, boat-ish, etc. Drawings, and not only that, he explores a new medium with poetry. Um, and you can see that um, the drawing there of him just basking in the sunlight um, is an image of how he feels as about, about all this and lives ishfully ever after. So that's Ish by Peter H. Reynolds, who, by the way, has written several other similar books. Uh, he has, I think, I don't know if it's this one or three others. It's part of what he calls a creatology. Um, uh, but this one uh, is the one that speaks to me the most, which is why I brought it in. Um, and so just, you know, ponder that. Let me open that up before I, uh, before I say anything about it. Can I just open up the floor to you? Uh, you know, what are your reactions or responses to Ish? The grace of his sister. Say more about that. Well, just that she, um, it didn't have to be perfect, but it was really about him and what he was expressing rather than it reaching perfection. Yeah. And um, just who he was more than what the subject was. Yeah. Great. Thank you. Michael, you were going to say something? Oh, well, I, I guess two things. The first is, <clears throat> It reminds me of, um, like, in, in law practice, really smart people who, uh, when it comes to trying to write something, have a very difficult time getting started because they want their writing to be perfect. Right. First writer's block. Exactly. So yeah. it's writer's block. You have to say to them, you know, look, just start writing something. It doesn't have to be perfect. You can always go back and delete it and erase it later. Right. Uh, just try to you know, just start doing it, and then eventually, once they produce something, they go back and they go, "Oh, you know, either that's not as bad as I thought it was going to be." Yeah. Or, you know, just getting getting started with the period of juices helps a lot. So that it kind of portrays that struggle. But the second part of it is is in order to, to gain confidence in your work, it helps to have uh, an editor or a curator of your work. Yeah. Oh wow, that's you know, I see something in what you've produced. It's it's really you didn't see it yourself. It's kind of even though you don't think it merits love or respect or, or anything else, someone someone else can see something that you can't. It's an inspiration. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Art like um, finally shouldn't be produced in a vacuum. You know, like don't hide it under a bushel. And not only that, because not just for the sake of sharing it, but um, 
it's a communal process that necessitates like affirmation basically for you to perhaps um, have confidence and, and explore um, in new ways. Yeah, thank you for that. Any other reactions? Yeah. So I think in our society we're so, particularly with young children, driven to be perfection. Yeah. Uh, and you have to be the best at everything. So the sister saying it's okay not to be perfect. Right. It's such a weight off of the young child's shoulder that it's okay to be yourself, which a lot of what society does does not enforce a positive image of imperfection. Yeah. The um yeah, the this striving towards perfection often doesn't help attain it. It um it keeps things in check um, so it might be good or mediocre but um, you might not push new boundaries and uh, become actually uh, the version that, of yourself that you could become um, there's danger in that too right the whole like you know just be yourself um, there could be a lot of problems in that um, I, I recognize that um, any other reactions? You know, what does this bring up uh, for you? How is it uh, true to your life? Maybe a story that you're willing to share. Yes, story. that's okay. Um, Paul Gull, when he was here, he says he's been walking here. I've often heard him say that the law kills love. Yeah. And the brother, just that just is illustrated beautifully mm-hmm. between the the brother and, and Raymond. It just it killed his love. And then yeah. Grace, and he's transformed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The law kills love. Um, you know, law writ uh, large, uh, not just even in the <coughs> scriptures, but here was with uh, Leon, his brother. And notice the sort of um, how it sort of almost infects Raymond, you know, because he's been um, hit by the voice of accusation. He becomes that voice of accusation to Marisol at first. Which is another thing to say. Often when we meet grace and love, you know, the pout-pout fish is great because, like, it's a hyperbolic version of what could happen and that the kiss from the silver fish causes the pout-pout fish to change instantly. But usually that's not the way it goes. Often that's the way it goes, sometimes. But what's the way... It What's the way it normally plays out? Can you imagine? I'll just tell you what I'm thinking. Um, <laughs> don't give me a hug. I don't want that. You know, I don't want your kiss. Um, my children are like that sometimes. You know, when I want to like give them a hug and in those sort of tense moments, and you know, push me away. <laughs> I know I've been that way with some people. Um, it's beautiful when it works out. Um, simplistically but here you know Marisol enters and he first instance pushes away assumes the worst and then is just completely undone by the large gesture of grace um, all over her walls other uh, thoughts on the last point yeah even though he's chasing her out she she stops to pick up that last yeah 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 she's loving it yeah. I love how after uh, he does receive the grace of her, then he's able to savor what God's given him and the beauty of the, you know, just sitting outside. And, yeah. And he said, now I'm just going to savor it. And he's able to now receive it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you for that. 
does this remind you of anything in your life? You know, can, can you relate with uh, Raymond at all in any way? Anybody have any stories about that that you don't mind sharing? I'll tell you a story. When I um, was in, uh, I, I'd say, you know, in terms of being an artist or a creative person, for me, it probably has a lot to do with writing. Um, and you could couple that probably with speaking, because often speaking in the background is a fair amount of writing. Um, when I was in high school, I had a teacher who noticed um, some possibilities latent in me that I didn't feel I was good enough for, um, and even sort of rejected that. Uh, when he said, you know, I think you ought to move up to the advanced placement track of English, I said, actually what I said is no because my friends aren't there. <laughs> Those are all the nerds. Um, and he said, I really think you ought to just give it a try. You could always, you know, try it for a semester and then go back into the normal track. And uh, he really gave me a lot of permission to explore my writing. I even became one of the staff people on my high school newspaper. You know, that was kind of cool. And uh, But my 11th grade year, when I moved to advanced placement, I had another teacher who was just the opposite. You know, I moved from the normal track where there was this life-giving uh, teacher who, who basically said, you're better than you know you are at this. Um, and then I had this uh, teacher who was just the sort of stereotype of kind of dogmatic, unfun. You know, we're reading this beautiful English literature stuff, and he's just ruining it. You know, I had more fun looking at the girls and out the window, and doodling um, than being in that class. And yet I stuck with it. Um, and you know, he just the nitpicking over the superficialities of where commas go and stuff was not what I needed, frankly, when I was um, 15, 16 years old. That made me think that writing was about something else, than it, more about the mechanics than um, the possibilities of communicating a great message. Um, and thank God, though, around that time, my journalism instructor basically told me don't listen to him <laughs> I mean I think she literally said that um, he would like give me my newspaper articles from not even his class from the journalism program and give them back to me with red ink you know published works as if to say you know you're not good enough for this um, but thank God for the other uh, voice of reason um, who balanced him out at that time uh, that I actually went on to study journalism when I was in college. I'm just riffing here. I didn't even know it would lead to this. And I loved it. And then there, there were two classes in journalism that ruined it for me. I changed my major. One was the ethics of journalism, which the course number was journalism 666. <laughs> and the teacher was the first African-American reporter for the Associated Press. And he was just so boring and um, you know, just killed the subject matter. Um, but more so is my first reporting class. You know, I had news writing, which I did okay in, and then reporting where you had to like actually go out and do interviews and stuff like that. And this teacher said, if you misspell a single person's name, you'll fail this class because it's so important when people see their name in newsprint that it's spelled correctly. Now, I agree with them. 
but just you know out of the gates to have that attitude to a budding uh, journalist who needs room in college to make some errors before they get out in the real world you know set the tone and it was the only C grade I got in college I tried my damnedest <laughs> but I got a C so I switched to communications and became a, got an English degree master's degree in English and became a writing instructor um, you know but you see how it's not always just Marisol you know there's often these ebbs and flows of people in your life, you know, ishfully ever after, you know, would that we could. Um, but often someone else like Leon kind of comes along. Um, but, you know, those are some of my experiences. Anybody else uh, got one? You know, are you, you know, would you like to paint, but you just, something happened? Um, uh, would you like to draw? And maybe it was your own um critical voice or someone else or something that the world tells you um, you know maybe uh, you uh, uh, are really an artist but felt like you couldn't make a living out of it so what you did is you became a graphic designer which makes a, an income you know don't get me wrong um, that's not necessarily selling out but maybe that hasn't allowed you to fully become who you are as an artist because um, you're always drawing someone else's stuff this often happens um, because the world tells us that artists are flaky and there's no way to make a living with that. You know what I mean? Um, and so, but maybe it's something else. Maybe it's not. Uh, maybe it's not art. Um, how can we uh, view this story with Christian eyes and hearts? Some things have come up, but anything else for you? Can you make some connections? Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, I give you permission. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, how it kind of ties in with the sermon this morning? With God gives us different gifts. Yeah. Different levels of gifts, and um, it's just our responsibility to, um, in our way, um, show the world how we see His beauty. Mm -hmm. And it might come across as different. Everybody is different, so. Um, we're we're trying to put forth um, divinity, really. Yeah. Our, our our glimpse that we receive from God about Himself. Yeah, I love it. Um, uh, it harkens back to creation, made in the image of God. You know, the Creator created creators. You know, to be stewards of this this earth. Um, uh, and and yeah, um, and then and then grace supports that. Any other connections? That you can draw to the Christian message. Uh, thanks for bringing in Joe's sermon. He did even mention artists. If you were there, he said that. Are you an artist? Um, it was kind of a stewardship little plug um, snuck in there for a couple of minutes. Uh, <laughs> it seemed to me, I was thinking when you were reading it, that um, when he got scared, I mean, when he said, I'm done with it, it was a fear, just like that unrighteous servant had the fear. Yeah. Afraid. That's why he. He put all of his money in the, uh, in the in the ground, and that's what happens with us too. I think we've got talents, we've got skills, and we don't come forward with it because we're afraid. Yeah. So we ask us to come forward. Yeah, please. Uh, it seems to me like it kind of follows our society today, where there's so much criticism of anyone who tries to step out and do something that's maybe out of. Out of the box, yeah. 
and then you have another voice that comes in with a voice of encouragement and <clears> it's okay and voice of mercy yeah yeah and that's sort of you don't get that from society you get that from the closeness of your friends and your family and your relationship with God as opposed to what's coming at you like yeah. Yeah, thank you. Um, makes me feel, feel pressing always that the law, he does his hand just like the law does its job, like the weight of the law. Yeah. <coughs> but it does its job, so that mercy can come in. Yeah, but mercy uh, does so much more after we've been weighed down, you know? Mm-hmm. Mercy wouldn't be mercy without that. Um, any other connections over here at all? Um. I had thought while someone was talking, but I completely forgot what it was. That's fine. Um, yeah, the, um, the, Michael brought up earlier writer's block. It was fear. You were mentioning fear. And really, uh, blockage, and you could call it writer's block or fill in the blank, um, whatever it is um, for you, often has to do with fear. And the reason we have fear is because either something that society has told us, like you all said over there, or a, a particular individual um, and so we have fear of making the, the mistake uh, a second time. Um, and the unfortunate thing with that is, uh, therefore, it just stops the, the productivity. Um, and that's really what uh, is, you know, I think it was Yoda who said that fear is the opposite of love, basically, right? I mean, the, uh, theologians have said something like this as well, um, that, you know, fear is, you know, it kind of is the path to the dark side. Um, in terms of uh, you know breeding things like uh, evil and hatred and whatnot, and it's it's either like the outward infection uh, of the thing that causes fear, or the out for, outward affirm, affirming voice of grace that allows new exploration. And you know, surround yourself with those people on this side. You know, the affirming types, and not the ones who are going to affirm. Um, the kinds of wishy-washy stuff like, you know, just be yourself. But, you know, I'm so glad that you're, you're even trying. <laughs> you know, thank you for, for doing that. Um, I wish I could do stuff like that. Versus the people who out of hand are like, just want to shut it down. And a lot of that has to do with embarrassment <laughs> or envy, you know. Um, uh, if you if you try something new and creative, often envious people become your worst critics. They're the ones who wish they had the idea or wish they could be kind of like that, and it's uh, it's too bad. Um, they need voices of affirmation as well, really. Um, so anyway, that's a lot of psychobabble, but I do see the um, the Christian connections that you all have brought up. Um, I. Um, then bringing in the uh, <clears throat> any last thoughts on Ish? Yeah, go go out and buy it if you um, if you either think a child needs to hear. Let's come back to children actually before I move to the next thing. You know, my kids just draw volumes and volumes. So every day they come back home with like I just I don't know where to put this stuff. <laughs> Anybody have any ideas? Um, you know, that's this, each school sends back three, and one of three pieces of something, you know, artwork. A lot of them are just like scribbles, which is fine. And one of our kids goes to Early Arts in Homewood, so it's an art school, and so she even produces more than that. 
Um, but, you know, uh, the kids, you know, young children, uh, that, that's why this book is so great. They, they need to hear something like this. You know, those, let's keep the world from, uh, or society from being that voice of criticism. Let's, let's, let's push it along as far in their life as possible. You know, if we can um, continue to just affirm sometimes even the things that we're <laughs> like, that looks nothing like, you know, a spider, but you're trying, you know. Thank you for giving me uh, this drawing uh, because you know it will happen the moment you start um, saying, I don't think it looks like that or that's kind of weird or you really need to color inside the lines. You know, I remember that one. Um, I, when I was in preschool, I was spelling my name and I would write M-A-T-T -T, and I would make the T with the, and I still do, where the, the line goes across the two. And my preschool teacher said, no, that's an H. I still remember that. I was three stinking years old, you know, and I just thought that this was, um, you know, the worst thing I could do. And I tried so hard to write with leaving a little space between the two T's. And now I'm like, forget about it. I saw someone else do it. Or I think maybe, you know, God bless my mother, I think said she's wrong. You know, um, that's the way I think my mom taught me to write it, which is why I was doing it. Um, it's efficient. Uh, <laughs> um, I've been bringing in uh, to this class a devotion from this book called Thoughts to Make Your Heart Sing, which is by Sally Lloyd-Jones and illustrated by Jago. And they are the team that put together the Jesus Storybook Bible. And I just, I love his artwork. They're such a great duo because she's so poetic and you know, they're both uh, British. She lives in New York City, though, and she's just so winsome. And that comes out in her writing. Uh, but then the artwork is, you know, coupled with that makes it all the more powerful. And you can see here is two hands holding up the world, the great creator. And this uh, devotion is called God in Heaven. And I thought, you know, in some way that perhaps this speaks to what we would talk about today. It was never meant to be this way. When the first human beings, Adam and Eve, ran from God, they broke his heart and his world. And tears and sickness and pain and death came in. God made his world to be our perfect home. But sin has spoiled everything. We have made a terrible mess of God's world. We lost it all. Did God abandon us? Did he just look down from heaven at the mess we made? No. He didn't just look down. He came down. God himself came down not as a judge to punish, punish us, but as a rescuer to save us. He reached down from heaven and rescued me. Psalm 18, verse 16. Um, just some final notes. We'll have one more week of this. And uh, I need uh, would someone, if you can say now or come up to me after class, be a volunteer, just as Holly did last time and Ann Lynn today, um, to read from our book that I'll bring in next time. Any takers? Um, maybe come up to me later. Otherwise, I'll get my wife to do it, who's uh, home with our sick children today. But hopefully my muse will be back next week. Um, and just uh, note that all these books are available in the bookstore. Maybe you're looking for uh, possible gifts for children or maybe adults um, for Christmas. They're available there. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Thank you. Thank you.